0: We're starting the book of Bamidbar, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, just in general, life and journey. When we talk about the book of Numbers, of course, us wandering in the wilderness, and so you begin to think about themes like the journey to the kingdom, and because life is difficult. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need focus. And beginning with this book, there is a nice picture being developed, of hope for the kingdom. Our hope for the kingdom is modeled in many places in Torah. We talked about that Wednesday night. I'll take a little different angle at it here this morning. To catch us up, you know, we're beginning a new book here, the fourth book in the Torah, the book of Numbers. Um, The people that we're reading about, of course, were originally, uh, began with Abraham. The family, years and years and years later, ended up in bondage. They were freed by the mighty outstretched arm of Adonai. They went to Sinai, were given the Torah. And they were also giving a hope for a kingdom. This is the promised land, right? The kingdom, if you will. And if everything goes well, it's a journey. Walking from Egypt should only take them a couple of weeks to get there. And so things are looking good as we get into the book of Numbers. So let's read and contemplate a little bit of, of the book. Parashat Bemidbar. The book of Numbers begins like this. I'm just going to read a few verses out of the beginning to warm us up into this, because we're going to be in, obviously, the book of Numbers for a while. The book of Numbers begins like this, in the wilderness on Sinai, on the first day of the second month, in the second year, from the exodus from the land of Egypt, Adonai spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting, saying, do a headcount of all the community of B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. And he goes on to... Name a few uh, people that are going to assist him in that. they got to get a group of people there to um, help out with accounting. And so I'm going to continue in verse 17. So Moses and Aaron took these men designated by name. They assembled all the community on the first day of the second month. And they declared their lineage according to their families, the household of their forefathers, with the number of the names of those 20 years old and upward being listed individually, Moses numbered Israel in the wilderness of Sinai as Adonai commanded him, the sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, their generations, their families, by their ancestors' households, according to the count of their names, every male from 20 years and upward, all available for the army, who's counted, those counted from the tribe of Reuben were 46,500 Notice the way that the people are being counted and numbered here. It's not as if Adonai just lines them up one by one. They're part of a family, they're part of a clan, they're sectioned off. And as we read through this Torah portion, we'll find that the clans are arranged around his presence. He arranges the Levites around him, uh, they are the closest ones that per- provide a protective barrier. And then he arranges all the other uh, clans, you clans over on the east, you clans up to the north. They're all arranged around him. There's a dividing up. There's division happening, creation, really, the creation of a nation, which is just shows the love that the creator has for the creation that he loves. This nation he is molding, he gave them his Torah, just a few weeks earlier, and now he gives them a promise, a hope for a blessing and prosperity in the land. And they have hope in a kingdom. And so soon enough, of course, tragically, the people are going to fail. We always do, That's hu- us humans do. We'll read about the story of the 12 spies coming up in a few chapters that would prevent them from entering the land. And what could have been a couple of journey that took just a couple of weeks is now going to drag out into 38-ish years. And so the wilderness journey is going to hold many lessons for us to uh, study and meditate on. We're going to be studying through the book of Numbers, of course, for probably till about the end of July. And the wilderness journey has many obvious parallels to our journey, the kingdom, and that's going to be a point of emphasis to me focusing on the kingdom was really something that i got out of the last couple weeks um really what kind of what really helped push that along among many was a podcast i listened to um you may listen to it it's called messiah podcast uh, the new host Jacob jacob franzak's one of the hosts and another young lady Anyways, they had Boaz Michael on, was interviewing him, and he talked about this view of having a kingdom focus, and there's many reasons, while I think having, you know, that focus on the kingdom is something that I would like to stress, what the focus is. A lot of places of worship focus on many different things even within the messianic community, sometimes there's an over-focus on Torah and it starts to get a little weird or legalistic. I remember, uh, I have loving memories of a Pentecostal church I used to go to. Great people there. They're a little bit of an over-focus on the spirit and how that moved in them. And other communities may have a focus on theology or doctrine. There's a place for that. So there's lots of different ways things you can focus on but those all should be byproducts of focusing on the kingdom with a proper focus on the kingdom and boaz talks about this a little bit and i meditated on it a little further with a focus on the kingdom all those things become byproducts of that you're implementing torah into your life you have the spirit working in your life a lot of these things should be byproducts of focusing on the kingdom that's what our master yeshua tells us to do seek first the kingdom all these other things are going to fall into place. It has to do with focus. We'll read soon, many different times through the book of Numbers, that the Israelites, they had a problem with focus at times. There was Israelites whose focus was on the past. They were trying to remember how good it was in Egypt. And when that happens, there's despair and there's some trouble And then there's those that focus on the future, on the kingdom, if you will, the goal. And they see a different set of results. They see mercy and grace, and they receive revelation in the wilderness. There's one nation out there in the wilderness, one people, but there's different focuses, some looking back, some looking forward. The obvious question is, are we really any different? Yes, the people rebel. We're going to get into that many, many times in the forthcoming weeks, but at times they acted righteous as well. Um, Later, Adonai would reveal through the prophets how he loved his people during this difficult time. He tells us in Jeremiah chapter 2 that he says this, he says, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, and the way you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. That's beautiful, isn't it? He was still with them, guiding them, sustaining them, despite their rebellion at times. Because he is merciful, should be our favorite attribute of Adonai, is his mercy. The wilderness is a tough place to be. He brought them through it, refining them, also gives them revelation in that process. Same thing with us. We get brought through wilderness or tough times at times to refine us and guide us. And if our eyes are open and ears are listening, there's revelation to be had. But we need to keep focused on the future, on the kingdom. And sure, there's plenty to get distracted about and to consider about today's world. There's plenty to lament. Life in the wilderness isn't always easy. The secular world isn't focused on the future, it's focused on itself. Um, We live in the present world, we can't ignore it, but we do have some options here. Do we focus on the wicked, or the rebellious, or the rumors of wars, or the happenings of wicked rulers? There's plenty of distraction and plenty of things to grumble about. We need to focus a little forward, focus forward on the kingdom. There are people who are waking up and seeking him there are good things happening out there in the world. There's people waking up there's, that are seeking something deeper, more authentic in many different countries all around the world. And if we focus on that and focus forward and seek the kingdom, we ready our souls to receive some revelation. At times, it does feel like we should rebuke the wicked and try to talk sense into the fool, But Solomon reminds us in Proverbs, he tells us, uh, I love this proverb. It's Proverbs 23 9. It says, Do not speak in the ears of a fool, for he will disdain the wisdom of your words. Sometimes the wicked and the fools aren't worth the effort. Only the spirit can really work in there. It's the prophet's job. We stay focused on the kingdom. The prophets, they bring rebuke because that's their job. But he also gives them hope for the kingdom. The prophets give hope as well. We read this this morning in Hosea. Um, I'd like to read a little bit of that. I'm not going to read all the half-torah portion, kind of the end of it. Hosea chapter 2, great half-torah portion. Although the beginning of it, oh, man, that starts out really tough, doesn't it? Page 569 is where Hosea, if you're listening online, this week's half-torah portion is Hosea chapter 2. Brian read it for us. Um, it's on page 569 in the TLV. The first part of the Haftorah portion, the Lord is uh, chastising the people. The unfaithful people are represented as an unfaithful wife, of course. And it's, uh, the beginning of chapter 2 is not easy to read because the Lord is um, dispensing here some rebuke. But it turns to compassion and love. I love the little headings on here. Chapter 2, verse 16. He says, uh, So then I myself will entice her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak to her heart. I will give back her vineyards from there and make the valley of Arker a door of hope. She will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of the land of Egypt. Just like Jeremiah, she's talking about the days of youth and coming up out of Egypt. They're reminiscing there, right? In that day, in what day is that? What day is Hosea talking about here? In what day? In that day, that's kingdom talk right here. This this is the kingdom. In that day, it is a declaration of Adonai. You will proclaim my husband and never again call me my Baal. Then I will remove the names of Baalim from our mouth. No longer will they be mentioned in their name in that day in the kingdom. I will make a covenant for them with the beasts in the field and the flying creatures in the sky and the creeping things on the ground. There will be peace on the earth. I will break into pieces the bow and the sword and warfare from the land. There will be peace among men. And I will cause them to lie down securely. Then I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, covenant, loyalty, and compassion. This is um, the promise and the hope of the kingdom that is given by the prophets so many times. So there's hope. This is these promises that um, we should be focused on. This is something that, of course, I should be focused on and that I'm going to, I would like to work through as we work through the book of Numbers, just developing uh, that focus. It's one thing to say we need to be focused on the kingdom, but I myself want to have a clear picture and a clear understanding of the uh, imagery that these prophets come out with, and my hope is that in the coming weeks I'll be able to uh, do that. Our Master Yeshua often quotes the prophets because, obviously, as we read, the prophets themselves are kingdom-minded. So let us be encouraged by some of the words of Yeshua as we close down this morning. Last reading is from Matthew chapter 13. It is on page 934 of the Tree of Life version. If you have a different version of scripture, it's Matthew chapter 13. I have different page numbers than you because it's got pictures in it. Matthew 13. We're going to begin with a uh, parable here. Yeshua's speaking here. On that day after Yeshua left the house, he was sitting by the sea and large crowds gathered around him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to spread some seed and he was scattering the seed and some seed fell by the road and the birds came and ate them up and other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. They sprang up immediately because the soil wasn't deep and when the sun came up, they were scorched because they had no roots and they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and were producing fruit. They yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he replies to them. He says, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has... To him, more will be given, and he will have plenty, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason, I speak to them in parables. Now he's going to go out here, and he's going to quote the prophets, right? He continues, because seeing, they do not see. Now, they're not blind. They're just focused on the wrong thing. Seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear and do not understand, they're not focused on the right thing. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing. She's not going to understand. You'll keep looking, but they'll never see. They're not looking in the right places here. For the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears can barely hear, and they have shut their eyes. These are all things that people have done to themselves. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, or they might see with their eyes, they might hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, with their minds. And they would turn back and I would heal them. There's a chance there because they're not completely shut. Their eyes can hear a little bit. So there's always a chance for teshuva. That's why the prophets are out there rebuking them. And then he finishes up. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Amen. I tell you, many a prophet and a tzaddik, a righteous one, long to see what you are seeing and did not see. And to hear what she were hearing, it did not hear because they're hearing this from the source, right? This is the source of righteousness here. This is the hope of uh, the prophets is the anointed one sent to this earth. The wilderness journey that we'll be reading about and that we experience in our life isn't always easy, but we can have some peace knowing Yeshua's already done that. Yeshua has made that wilderness journey. So on our journey, he is that rock that is following us around, right? Giving us water to drink. He's that bread from heaven that nourishes us. So may our eyes be open, focused on the kingdom. The peace that we have in him is a testimony to those around us who are paying attention, whose eyes are opened a little bit, whose ears are open just a little bit, who are paying attention just a little bit. It's our job to be as disciples of Yeshua to be that light and to display kingdom seeking personas for everyone to see. So let's stay focused on him. May we be a blessing to others in our camp here at Kaim, and may we be a light to those who are seeking him and his kingdom. Shabbat Shalom.